this generation under so much pressure held to a standard impossible to measure without guys they suffer no father in sight uh no love from their mother not the fin for the one in the mirror self-image distorted can't get no clearer damn lost soul devoured by the streets ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks by their feet only crack vials and shell casings looking for hope but they still waiting and i implore you to never give up and like pox said uh keep your head up and when your back up against the wall keep your boots to the ground and stand tall hold on and be strong and go against all eyes uh at the edge of Central Park in Manhattan, there's a bronze statue of a doctor named James Marion Sims, whose brilliant achievement carried the fame of American surgery throughout the entire world. He's the guy who created the vaginal speculum, an instrument gynecologists use for examination. He pioneered the surgical repair for fistula, a complication from childbirth, and became known as the father of modern gynecology. But that brilliant achievement was the result of a series of excruciating experimental surgeries that he conducted on enslaved women. Peace and welcome to another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. This is episode number 15. Today we'll be discussing the mortality rate of black newborns in the U.S. I'm Kay, this is James, and let's get into this. Yeah, this is a um, very heavy topic that's affecting our community historically and today. So let's jump right in with the first question. Um, there's a clear discrepancy in black pregnancy deaths as well as black infant mortality rates. Is this another trickle-down effect of slavery and another example of the system working how it was designed? Yes, most definitely it is a trickle-down effect uh, from slavery here in the U.S. Um, a stat I actually ran across was 15 years prior to the Emancipation Proclamation, um, the, that black infants in America are now more than twice as likely to die as white infants when you compare that back to 1850. And you may, you may sit up and say, well, that doesn't make sense, but seeing as though science has, you know, grown and, you know, we, you should have a much, you should have a lot more research to prevent this. But if you think about it, 15 years prior to the um, Emancipation Proclamation, you had people that owned people. So you had slaveholders. They wanted to make sure that, you know, they got, they got more money. So in order to do that, you have to, essentially breed people. And that's exactly what they were doing. So during that time, they wanted to make sure, hey, I want to make sure that my slaves grow in numbers. Therefore, these women were subjected to basically be breeders. And they wanted to make sure that they didn't have to worry about any type of mortality rates. So it, the disparity, it does make sense when you look at it. It's always about economics in this country, most definitely. Um, compared to now where we're not valued as much because we're not property and we're seen as more of a nuisance than anything. So yeah, it's definitely um, affecting the way things are going on today. Slavery still plays a role despite those that say, hey, my uncle or my family never owned slaves. 
So why should I have to apologize for it? Well, we see it now. We see there's still elements of slavery in today's society. Here in uh, 2020, what is it, September 2020, without a doubt. Um, just trying to think, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions that it may be a class, a class issue. But um, I mean, once we get into that, I, I got some data to back that up that class also doesn't play a part as much as you may think it would. So. Yeah, that's true, man. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, to add to that, I was reading something that said that um, although uh, we are 13% of the population, um, black women and white women's, uh, you know, mortality rate during pregnancy is damn near equal. It's like, I think, I believe um, there were 2,700 uh, deaths of white women while during pregnancy compared to like 2,500 for black women. Mm. And I'm like, that's, people have to look at the percentage. It's 13% of the population. Those mm -hmm. For those numbers to be that close, there's something wrong with the system. Like, it should, that, that's just ridiculous. But is there something wrong with the system? Or is the system working as designed? Touche. The system was definitely, it's another example of the system working how it was created to work. And it's being yeah. implemented. And there needs to be more conversations about this like we're having today. All right, so the um, next question is um, there was this gynecologist named Dr. Sims. Um, do you believe that Dr. Sims began, kind of began the trend of high black pregnancy deaths through those experiments that he was conducting? Most definitely. Um, one thing about U.S. history is they like to paint a pretty picture and then memorialize somebody with a statue. Um, meanwhile, they want to pretend as though Africans weren't enslaved here. And slavery isn't just the word. There was a lot involved with it. And the blueprint for Nazi Germany was set right here in America. Uh, these people, there were no lab rats. There were Africans that were enslaved and had no rights. They were deemed not human. Therefore, they had no rights and these people would do any and everything they could to mutilate. So whatever experiment, whatever type of research they wanted to conduct, there was no waiver. This was all by force. Um, one, one case in particular with this, with this doctor was um, with one 17-year-old enslaved African girl where she was... Um, subjected basically to torture just for him to come up with the different ways in which um, OB medicine could be performed. Um, it, it was practically mutilation, but yet he's been hailed as this, like the father of OBGYN. But people don't want to tell the truth to how it got to that point. So 
he had a uh, statue in Central Park. And I, speaking with you earlier, and you told me about roughly two years ago, it was finally taken down. But just for the fact that it's 2000, it took until 2018 for something like that to be noticed and that to come down. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you would think maybe at that point, since she was sub, you know, subjected, maybe memorialize her. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a shame. I, I can't even recall her name. That's just how it is, unfortunately. But um, he's held as the hero. Yet she went through every every type of um, invasion of privacy you could imagine. That's sick, man. It's so sick, man. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, one one thing that we know that they always would say is, um, we we when I say we, I'm talking of African people. We don't feel pain, and that was always that was always the code for. Guess what? You can keep going further, push the experiment further, because hey, they have a high they have a high tolerance for pain if they do feel pain. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this. This is also a trickle down effect from slavery because we see it today um, in ERs. And I can tell you, people, especially those those of us that have sickle cell who happen to go to a emergency room and complain of pain, what they will be deemed as pain seekers, pain med seekers, because they just don't believe that hey, this person feels any type of pain, and They'll go there and they won't even treat that person for pain sometimes. So just turn them away. Meanwhile, you can have a white counterpart come in with a hangnail and they'll go up there and give them a narcotic for it without questioning, oh, is this person really in pain? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those effects of those effects of slavery still reside today. And um, it's never been. I mean, you, you see it in medical reports. I mean, it's been in the news lately as well as how um, we see we see it in the news with police brutality. They said, well, I don't know what he was on. That's why I felt the need to shoot this person seven times. Seven times in the back, no less. Yeah, because, you know what, one time's not going to stop him. The taser wasn't going to work. I knew the taser won't work. That's their go-to now. The taser, oh, the taser did nothing to this person. Somebody can get tased. It can. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure in the police academy they have to test some of that stuff on one another just so that they know, hey, this is what you're dealing with. Yeah. So you know, this is the level it should be on. So yeah, someone can be. Yeah, if somebody's on some type of drug, they may not feel it, but guess what? That's not a natural effect. That's the cause of the drug. Mm -hmm. But for you to deem people to not feel pain because they'll say. Um, Africans don't feel as much pain as Hispanics or vice versa. They'll always throw some weird statistic out there. Mm -hmm. But like I said, this is all trickle-down effect from when we were enslaved here in America. Yeah, I definitely agree. To piggyback off of that, do you see um, like this issue with infant mortality as a technique utilized by white supremacy to try to maintain their majority status? Oh, yeah. And the reason I, I, I say yes is back when um, in the 80s, when David Duke, you know, he was like the leader of the KKK, 
he was running for Congress, he actually proposed a bill which would give an incentive, and it was proposed for those who would receive welfare, those women who were receiving welfare from the state to take birth control, um, the little IUD that makes a woman basically infertile for, I think, up to a length of five years. For them to take that, and their reward for taking that would be $100 annually. And what other need is there for that to even be discussed or even entertained mm -hmm. other than you're looking at population control? When it comes to us, we know where Planned Parenthood derived from. Mm -hmm. We know what that was about. We know where they put these Planned Parenthood, you know, offices. We, we see it. it it's, it's in plain sight. So we definitely see the shift in the majority here in the United States. We see who the majority is becoming and who it's not becoming. And so that's also why we have this, this hostile climate now. So people would always like to say during the uh, Obama presidency that we're in a post-racial America, but we saw that was just a talking point at that time. And we see it for what it is now. And it's definitely about the amount of people because one thing that never added up to me, I don't know about you, but I can't remember a time where we weren't 13% of the population though. Yeah. How, how is it, how is it, it's, we've never grown. Yeah. Now, is that actual or is that just to mislead us? Yeah, because I remember that hearing that back in like middle school social studies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it can't still be like that. That was like 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. We, yeah. it, it had to be growth and they're not reporting it. That's exactly what I believe. Because at the same time, you're always talking about how um, our women are having babies out of wedlock, single mothers, this and the third at rapid rates. But yet, we're still 13%. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they also like to say that there's this black on black crime agenda going on so are you saying that as quickly as we're being born we're being killed off i think it's psychological warfare honestly mm -hmm. and i think it's just that inferiority complex um that they need to put out there and keep out there that you are a minority mm -hmm. and just hearing that term you know makes you feel inferior yeah so. makes you feel like you're a minor part of society exactly and we know majority rules, so therefore get over whatever it is you got going on and get with the program. Yeah, Cause that's how I mean. That's how you keep people in, in line. All the people that that's not going to question anything, or not going to try to uh, you know ruffle any feathers, they're going to go along with it. And if they see whoever the majority is, they're going to bow down, you know, bend the knee, and do what they got to do to go along just to get along. Most definitely. Most definitely. So, with this issue, it's been shown that socioeconomic indicators such as the education level does not make a difference. So, how would you explain this graph? So, um, looking at the graph, you see that it starts off uh, eighth grade or less, and with black women being in blue and non-Hispanic, well, it actually says non-Hispanic black and non-Hispanic white. That that never made sense to me, but 
just for the sake of this graph. That's another discussion. <laughs> Non-Hispanic white is in yellow. So we see it starts off with eighth grade or less. So around eighth grade education or less, the mortality rate is almost equivalent. But we see as the more education white females get, downward is the trend of the um, infant mortality rate. Whereas with our women, we're looking at it increase all the way up to the doctorate level, which would mean that's the highest, that's the highest you can go educationally. So a PhD, she has a better chance of her child surviving, her and her child surviving. At eighth grade, she has this child. So, so what could it be? We can't say that, hey, this is a money thing. So one thing that you'd be, I mean, I don't know if you want to take a guess. What, like, what do you think could be that cause? Um, honestly, to me, I think it's one of those cases where the person with the higher education may ask more questions and may inquire more. And because that doctor may be one of those people be like, oh, you one of those type of people and you had you 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 think you know everything i'll show you hmm. i think i think it's one of those cases where i'm gonna shut you up whereas like somebody somebody that and you know with eighth grade education they may not ask as many questions and this is all just an assumption in my opinion but they may not ask as many questions so yeah, because they're going along with the program, mm -hmm. that doctor is just going to do their job. Even though they probably they may still do like a, a half-ass job, but they're not going to feel the need to be to try to prove anything or try to take something from that person because they're asking questions. I definitely could could see that, and you know what? I, I agree with that just out of personal experiences um i'll get into that but um yeah it's definitely like you said it's like doctors don't like to be challenged mm -hmm. so if you're asking questions and they say hey this is what i do i know because most doctors think they up here they think they got mm -hmm. so for you to question them it's gonna make them feel some type of way and like you said it could be a case of oh you need my help oh well and they make themselves unavailable. But um, in addition to that, the the answer that I found was toxic stress. Now, um, what's toxic stress versus regular stress? We know you can be stressed just by day-to-day -day activities in life. Mm -hmm. But what toxic stress, looking at it from a professional black woman's point of view, where sometimes they're the first or if they're not the first, they're just one, one in how many at this position. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in there, they're dealing with a lot of implicit biases where people are already passing judgment on them thinking they can't handle this and that. So these stresses build up in the body. And what it does is it's like they're weathering internally. Basically, the insides are aging faster. Mm -hmm. So this puts them in a position to where 
we know the younger females are, is what they say, that's the time, you know, to have children. And the older you get, I think once you hit 35, you consider high risk. Mm -hmm. So now if we, if we do mathematically, if someone just goes into school and stays in, doesn't let life interfere, going for a PhD, we're looking like what? 27 probably by the time they finish with a PhD. Mm -hmm. yeah. And at what point are they going to start having a family dinner? They'll start working. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if they're working and then they put off having a family, that are already high risk, higher risk of having complications just um, naturally. But like they say, it's this toxic stress that's been found in the research that is showing um, it's speeding up the aging process. And this is what's causing these types of problems. Um, wow. One thing, yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's something that I mean, I don't think I ever thought of, but it never crossed my mind. But once once you hear it, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Because we, we know how work can be stressful. So, and then you throw in the race element. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what did this person do to get here? I don't think people understand. Like, they don't, I don't think they understand. They always be, be like, oh, you playing the race card. No, it's not the race card. It's everyday life. Like it's mm. it's not it's not easy. Like other races may have it easy where they go through their day to day and it's just them existing. With us, our mere existence is viewed as hostile. We're viewed as a weapon. You know what I'm saying? Like it's stuff that we it's obstacles that we have to face every single day for just being black. And it is like that's that's stressful. Mm -hmm. It's stressful because there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, and it's not like a like they always tell us. Well, you need to dress a certain way if you want people to take you seriously. These people are doing like we've done in past episodes, conforming. They're conforming, mm -hmm. but at the same time, those implicit biases are still there to where. Uh, what's this? Another affirmative action case? Just that whole feeling. Yeah. So this person can't possibly know what they're doing. Um, my sister, who's in healthcare, she dealt with it several times. My mom's dealt with it. My wife, where they'd be the RN, a family member would come in, and someone who happens to be white and is a CNA, they'll they won't look at the RN, who's a black woman and they'll look to the CNA and looking for some type of report on their family member until they're corrected. Or there's even been cases I've heard stories from family members who are nurses who said literally where a patient requested, I want a white nurse. I don't want a black nurse. That's crazy. Oh my God. So, yeah. yeah. It's and, and in this one situation, I won't I won't put out who it happened with or what hospital, they honored it. The hospital honored it. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So you, so you feed in this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, there was another statistic I saw. It says the mortality rate of black newborns shrinks 39 to 58% if that baby is delivered by a black doctor. 
So this goes back to what you were speculating at. It's definitely that. That plays a part. Mm. That, oh, okay. There's population control. Because guess what? When we talk of white supremacists, when we talk of transmen, these people aren't just imaginary figures. These people have day jobs. So you hear about it all the time with abortion doctors or whatever. That's their mission. It's okay. I want to make sure I do what I was sent here to do. And they make sure it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, case in point, my daughter was born, before she was born, I should say, wife goes to all her appointments and they keep pushing for a C-section. That's one thing that I've noticed. Um, a lot of, a lot of these doctors are doing nowadays because of that money. Mm -hmm. So they're always trying to persuade a C-section as, as opposed to a natural delivery because they're not going to make as much because you don't have to bring in surgical services, the OR. Mm -hmm. So, it's just like, you know what? You need to do this. We were literally on our way to the hospital for that. My wife said, I'm not feeling it. Mm -mm. I want to wait. I said, hey, you go, you go with your gut instinct. So she has a Caucasian um, OB at this time. Caucasian OB, because of insurance purposes. My first daughter, the OB, was a brother. So we go... We're like, you know what? Let's just go to the doctor's office, let them know that hey, we're not going in. We get there. This um, white female doctor comes out, and she basically is like, what are you doing here? You should be down at the hospital now for your um, C-section. You need to go down there. If you don't go down there, you're going to have a dead baby. Whoa. Just like that. Just like that. If you don't go there, you're going to have a dead baby. So to me, that sounds like a curse. Yeah. What professional tells a woman who could have a baby any moment or that you're going to consider high risk that you feel that they need to go get checked out? Mm. What, how, who words something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, so, not, that's not cool. So, yeah, so I, I had to walk away. I, I walked out. I told my wife, I said, I'll, I'll be outside. Because once I heard that, I, I had nothing else to say. Mm -hmm. or I didn't want to be carried away. So I just left on my own. So when she came out, I was like, listen, we ain't fooling with that lady. So it was like two days later, she went to labor, and the doctor we had was a Nigerian woman. And her colleagues were pushing for a C-section, but she said, you guys do what you want to, and winked at us. <laughs> and guess what? She had that baby naturally. I know that's right. So it, it's definitely the doctors that play a big part. And um, it is, there's some um, racial elements definitely within it. And I just don't think that it has to do with, like, like we were pointing out, it doesn't have to do with your socioeconomic background. This is more or less remnants of slavery that haven't been erased and it's it's in the mind subconsciously of these people and this is what occurs unfortunately this is a, this is a reality and like i said that stat of 39 to 58 percent 
um, your odds improve thirty nine to fifty eight percent just because the doctor is black. Yeah, and that's what they say. They say there's a shortage of black OBGYNs. So that's that's one thing. Um, hopefully, some of our viewers who are in that you know stage in life and they don't know what they want to do, we could use help in that field mm-hmm. because don't nobody got our backs but us. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's that's true indeed. What about um? I know you touched on the numbers and everything. What about like um? doulas and stuff like that like would you add them what was that like what about like uh doulas instead of like the traditional like OBGYNs like right I'm I'm sure man (laughs) this will go back this will go back to the story I just told you uh with our personal experience during that whole um delivery of my daughter, my cousin, who's a, um, who's a, um, what, what do they call, um, what do they call the, um, the nurses that deal with that? I can't even think of the term. And, um, the nurses that deal with the, uh, babies, midwife, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. My, I couldn't, my cousin, I couldn't yeah, so my cousin, she's a midwife. Literally up three o'clock in the morning. She had to be in six o'clock in the morning. She said, I'm not going to sleep till you know. So she's like, till I know this baby's here. So I'm texting her, taking pictures of the strip monitors, sending it to her. I said, this is what they saying. She's like, she's fine. She's reading it. She's like, she's fine. Tell them she's going to push every other contraction. Because they said, oh, the baby's in distress. You got to No, we can't do this. Because of the contractions, the baby stopped breathing, whatever. Listening to my cousin, they're just going through text messages, phone calls in between when all the medical personnel are going in and out of the room. Mm-hmm. At one point, there were like 11 people in there. Wow. So, yeah, so all these people coming in and out. I'm talking to her in between all of this, showing her the strips. She's like, why are they saying she's confused? Like, there's no emergency here. Everything's fine. All she has to do is change up her breathing. The mm-hmm. contractions, she can push every other. Boom, boom, boom. So the assistance from that doctor and my cousin, who's a midwife, who was able to be done. And <laughs> I mean, my wife thought I was joking, but I said, yo, we don't even need no hospital. Just my cousin come over here. We can just have his baby. Yeah. Honestly. So, I, yeah. Um, this, I mean, even when you hear about that with the fluorescent lights and all that, with your child being born, you know, there's a lot of, drawbacks to it, whereas mm-hmm. natural sunlight's better and gravity, etc. because that's probably another, I mean, if, if you think about it, how were women having babies prior to all these hospitals? Yeah. Literally, it was gravity that, that assisted, mm-hmm. but now they have them laying on their backs. So this is where a lot of complications come in, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I believe, yeah. Having those natural methods where the people coming into your home with the experience, um, I believe there's yeah there's definitely risk to to childbearing, but at the same time, you have the right people 
that's what we're talking about here. The right people, people mm -hmm. that care for this life and sees this as human precious cargo mm -hmm. and not just as a nuisance to society. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll make sure this child comes into this world, no harm. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. So to piggyback on that, um, the system has viewed us as lesser than historically and still views us that way today. How would you tie in the infant mortality rate and uh, with police brutality? Uh, that, like, like what we were talking about earlier, the whole, the whole myth of us not feeling pain and that goes into that Dr. Sims experiments, OB. And um, there's definitely a correlation there. Um, police shootings, excessive, just to say, hey, we gotta get past that pain threshold to stop this person. And then when it comes to, to women, like even, I mean, this goes back into the whole status thing which we just debunked, but remember um, Serena Williams, she nearly lost her life. She near, so this is somebody who has money, has access to the best health care and the best health professionals. And still, she, I'm not sure if the child was in danger, but she nearly lost her life. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely an agenda there. And like, like we were talking about, and um, this is a white supremacist society where these white supremacists are to that point of I need to protect my country at all means you can get away with the type of stuff and it can go under the radar to the naked eye because guess what you can say alright they're going to try and sue you guess what my cousin's the judge though mm -hmm. don't worry about that you know what I mean yeah. so there's always always a way out out of any type of punishment. So it, I, it's definitely population control. There's no doubt in my mind. People can say, hey, we're conspiracy terrorists, but there's statistics mm. that show this. There's statistics. So like they say, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Exactly. It's right there. Yeah, it's clear as day, man. It's like, I look at it like this. I think there's different stages to it. And I think we, we discussed this um, before. Um, it's like the system is like, all right, we can get them at birth. If that doesn't work, we can get them in, in the school to um, prison pipeline. Okay. If that doesn't work, oh, we'll definitely catch them with, with police brutality. So it's like, it's those three areas where they seem like they try to, they either try to kill us in the beginning they try to make us slaves or they try to kill us in the end. But either way, they try they try to they try to kill us physically or they try to kill us mentally. That's true. Because Even like you said, you you said the school to prison pipeline. Even before we get to that, right? It's still with the medication, the diagnosis of this person's got this going on. Mm -hmm. Let's give them this medication. So now they can't function without that medication. Exactly, yeah. And we got all these crazy ass side effects, etc. Mm -hmm. So this person will never be able to focus. Yeah. And then, 
like you said, once you were straight from the books, then it's boom, prison right there for them. Yeah. But like you said, there's there's too many traps set up for for us to fall into. Yeah. And like if you if you make it through all of that, it's like yeah, like when you when you survive that, most of us get to see what's really going on out here. And when you really see what's going on out here, it's like you can't no longer just go go along and just be smiling and conforming because it's like what are you smiling? What are you happy about? And what are you conforming to? Why why are you okay? Why would you even be okay with this once your eyes are open and you can really see what's what's happening from the beginning of life throughout life? Like everything that's happening, uh murdering babies, trying to murder the the mom during childbirth, you know vaccinations that cause autism and different kind of issues, asthma, the food that got all kinds of stuff in it. Then school, they, you know, they always, it's more, it's more likely that a black child to be punished more harsher than a white child. That's, that's <laughs> more, that's more numbers. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not about conspiracies. It's all numbers that you can look up. And then, Usually it's hard for that child to come back. So they're going to be pushed along to that pipeline where they're going to go. They're going to probably end up in prison because that's how it's set up. And if you if you make it through all of that and you make it and you survive uh, police encounters and stuff like that, it's like you still have to look over your shoulder all the time because you don't know what's going to be coming at you now. There's always something coming at you. It, that's, that's a fact. It's like, um, there's people that become shell-shocked, man. It's like you've, you've survived everything thrown at you to, like, to the point it's like, okay, how is this person still functioning? You know, why, why aren't they displaying the signs of what they've gone through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the minute you do display those signs, they, they just wait on you. That's why they, they keep poking you with that stick. Like, come on. We know it's yeah. there. Come on. They went for that outburst. Like you said, it's like you've been through so much. And it's to that point where it's like, this person's about to break. But like I said, if you make it through that point, you just can't. It's like your civic duty. It's your civic duty to your people. Your ancestors went through hell for you. Meanwhile, what are you going to do for the generation under you? Exactly. You can't lead them astray. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it's our civic duty. Once, once we survive, because we're survivors, once we survive, we have to pass that knowledge on and, and help, help guide you know, the youth down that down that path, mm-hmm. that path to be successful in whatever in whatever manner it is success. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta offer some kind of guidance. Not saying that everybody's gonna take it, but you at least gotta extend that that offer. That yo, know, I've been I've been through this. 
Mm -hmm. So let me let me help you so you don't have to go through as many obstacles because you're still gonna face obstacles as as an African in America, regardless. Mm -hmm. But if I can help you avoid certain obstacles, I will. But you gotta be willing to accept the knowledge and accept that help. We, we, we gotta look out for each other, man. And you know how we do with this show, man. We the title itself, we trying to liberate minds, man. We trying to get people to think differently and you know get get the bigger picture. Don't just, you know, don't don't always just go along just to get along, question things, you know, dig dig deeper for answers and find out what's really going on out here. Yeah, there was this, um, I can't remember the quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. It was um, James Baldwin. And he, he would say, uh, the African-American has no memory of Africa and it's not accepted in America as an American. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's, I said, we're, we're a unique case in, in the fact that with our, our brothers and sisters who, who have their own countries, they at least don't have to deal with racism in the sense of it coming down from the government mm -hmm. and affecting their everyday livelihood. You still got to have classism. Mm -hmm. That's the thing in society. We see that, especially in um, Indian um, society, back in India with the um, caste system, mm -hmm. even up in North Korea, etc. But it's like we've been through so much. We've been we've been enslaved. Our brothers and sisters in the Caribbean have been enslaved, but they were at least left with land to govern. Mm -hmm. We. We're in the belly of the beast. Like I said, even when the European Jews, they said they were enslaved, they were able to leave Egypt. If you're looking at it from a biblical standpoint, they said they left Egypt and they went back to Israel, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at it based off of a biblical stance, point is, they didn't remain in the belly of the beast. Exactly. Dealing with that stigma, attached which ours is plain and simple our skin color so there's no way to to hide from it you're going to get those that go and bleach or whatever the case is but we, they still know what you are at the end of the day mm -hmm. they'll remind you real quick but it, it seems like we always persevere because we're always that goes back to that spark we spark movements when apartheid was going on we had prior to that we had the um civil rights we had the civil rights movement going on over here and um just all the momentum from that the world saw hey this is how you do it but that was us here that you know got those got the ball moving mm -hmm. so it's like we i don't think we sit back sometime and give ourselves credit to the point where it's like no we made it this far we got to keep going. There's still a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's not till 
like I said, even like those great people, great revolutionaries, such as, um, who should I start off with? You can have Kwame Nkrumah, um, well, Stokely Carmichael went over to Africa and then came back, but like if we talk about Kwame Nkrumah, he had to come to the U.S. and then he went back and then it's like, he saw what was going on here and it sparked that mindset. Like, all right, this is revolution. This is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it takes even like um, Nigerian Afrobeat artist, um, Fela Kuti, back in the 70s. It wasn't until he came over here, went to California, hung out with the Black Panthers, that he changed his whole mindset. Went to Nigeria, took that debt, and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get our people free. So it's like, it's something about us here, what we've been through and survived, mm-hmm. that we have, that even people and other nations don't have, that they see it's through us, that, hey, this is how you got to get it done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just that we need to see that value. In, and I don't, I, we're accepting of it. It's just that we, we need to use it better. You feel me? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you, man. Some great, great facts, man. But as always, man, we appreciate y'all tuning in for another great episode. Um, you know, don't don't let the information stop here. Do your own research. Look up what's going on with our community, especially on this topic, man, because it's it's major, and it impacts all of us because it's about creating life and bringing life into the world. So, you know, keep looking up the knowledge, keep talking about it. And until next time, peace. We out. Peace. Generation under so much pressure, held to a standard impossible to measure. Without guys, they suffer. No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother. Not the pen for the one in the mirror. Self image disorder, can't get no clearer. Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets. Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks by their feet. Only crack vials and shell cases. Looking for hope, but they still waiting. And I implore you to never give up. And like Pac said, uh. Keep your head up and when your back up against the wall, keep your boots to the ground and stand tall, hold on and be strong. 